Hello and welcome to the Quarter Dallas Podcast. I'm Joe and I am joined today by Muse. Hello. And V. Hi. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly talking about all things surrounding comic books, superheroes, all that fun stuff. So today, because we are still waiting pretty much for DC Comics' regular titles to resume in March after Infinite Frontier, after this dumpster fire that is DC Future State. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. It's it's terrible. (laughs) We've just been just trying to pass the time pretty much, and we're just going to be going around discussing what we've been reading since the new year. I've been having, like, my own, like, personal reading challenge as part of, like, a New Year's thing for myself, where I am reading a comic from V's collection once a day that I've never read before. (laughs) Good luck in those archives. I'm already on day 35, and because I've also been reading the stuff that comes out weekly, so in total I've read 90 comics. Jeez. And 35 of them are yours. Oh. <laughs> but okay. yeah, it's, it's a lot. I did not think it would actually be that much. But I'm actually going to go in, into one of those titles midway in this. I want to start with Muse. Oh, oh a curveball. <laughs> curveball here. Uh, <laughs> so because I also read a bunch of Marvel, I have not been affected by the drought that DC Future State <laughs> has caused. I'm just going to name a couple of them that have really just stuck out. Because I know I've also been reading Swordsmaster and Arrow, but most people don't know who they are. They're uh, Chinese superheroes, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, Okay. They were part of Agents of Atlas, and I started reading their runs because I wanted to know more about them. Mm. So the other series that I've been reading, kind of some main line series, would be, of course, Champions. Champions at the beginning of... Well, the end of last year uh, renumbered because Marvel loves to renumber things. Yes. Um, <laughs> but they were, I think, trying to start off with maybe a new group or just start off like a new run. I don't know if Eve Ewing, who is the current writer for Champions, was writing it before, but it started out with their outlawed story. So mm-hmm. this Champions is, of course, written by Eve Ewing. The artist is Bob Quinn and Frederico Blee. So it's kind of in the wake of a tragedy. This whole thing was kind of alluded to in that big, giant, I think it was like a 100-page thing that was alluding to both like Empire, King in Black, uh-huh. a bunch of major storylines within Marvel, which was really cool showing how everything connects. Like, none of these mm-hmm. things are self-contained with just one group they all interplay with everyone so something happened i think it was viv vision exploded in the middle of new york killing and injuring a bunch of people so u.s passes a law that is cracking down on teen heroes so it's kind of their way of saying these are teenage kids that are running around with the same permissions as these adult heroes they shouldn't be making decision adult like decisions so it's kind of that Mm -hmm. whole I have as much say as an adult when it comes to certain things. Right. It's that Disney Channel thing of like, I'm not a kid, Mom. I'm 13. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of these heroes, especially the major ones that they are focusing on in Outlawed, is like Miles Morales, um, Kamala Mm -hmm. Khan, Ironheart, Nova as well. 
So they're at least the 16 plus group. So there's the older demographic, but from what I do know from the previous champions lineup, there are a lot of younger kids in that group. There's a lot of teenagers, but <laughs> this is not what I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be like this interesting, like fight back against the government a little bit or them showing mm -hmm. like, hey, we, we can definitely make these decisions. We're not harming the community. But a government group <laughs> literally comes in, raids the champion's hideout, and pretty much imprisons all of these kids and sends oh them gosh. to a correctional facility. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they created this whole new group to like take care of and pretty much reprogram these kids to be like, no, we aren't above the law and all of this crazy stuff. And you're like, they are getting oh like gosh. blackmailed mind whammied. <laughs> this is not good. There's no Warren bossing say. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that kind of thing. So we're leading into them kind of getting emancipated because the X-Men are gonna come in and help in the next issue. Don't know how that's gonna happen. But this might be their way of trying to maybe rebrand the champions because there were a lot of new heroes I had never heard of. So that is mm -hmm. one of the issues with this champions run. I jumped in because I was like, I like teen heroes. This is an interesting premise. I know next to nothing about like three quarters of the group. I know Nova, I know Miss Marvel, I know Spider-Man, I know Ironheart, I know Wasp, and I don't know what else. And then of course Viv who's Vision's daughter. That was it. I was just gonna ask you that before. I was like, I was confused, like, who exploded? Yep, Viv exploded. I don't, I still okay. don't remember why, but she's apparently actually not dead. Because she's a robot? I don't know. She apparently died, but really didn't. So okay. she's on the run and she's like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm like, you started this by exploding and you're running away. I'm sorry. You don't get a pass. <laughs> so that's that's champions right now. I thought it was just going to be like a little mini thing or just like a whole run of champions outlawed. But it's just the first four issues are under that little okay. story title and then afterwards we're getting new stories so interesting so is this title is this the one that's tied to that like mobile video game that conquest of champions or is that a different one because i feel like there was some type of like comic adaptation or something like that i wouldn't know okay that i am unfamiliar with that's fine champions is kind of their teen titans doesn't really sound like a young justice team <laughs> doesn't really seem to be clashing with any of like the other titles they may go into because i know miles has his own run as well as been making a couple of appearances in nick spencer's spider-man run mm -hmm. there might have made mention in miles because i know certain teen heroes get a pass if they have a mentor signing off <laughs> to say nope they're my sidekick they're fine <laughs> then they can this continue to superhero if not they have to hang up the cape and stop. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Because Marvel's teen heroes have never been much of like the sidekick types. Like you've never really seen too many Marvel heroes with actual sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Right. To be honest, they really don't. Bucky kind of was. I was just gonna say like that <laughs> would be like the, the only, only example, and that I was like golden of. age. Yes. <laughs> he also called him like chum and things. <laughs> yep. But Bucky oh, was a kid. Oh, chum. Oh, the forties. I'll hold your shield, Captain America. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. 
No. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no. But I know that Marvel has more of, like, younger versions of Superman, like, certain major... Mm-hmm. You have Ironheart now. Miles is Spider-Man. Well, Peter's also Spider-Man. Right. So you have a younger Spider-Man running around. So you do have more of like, oh, I'm similar to you, but I'm not your sidekick. It's almost like a family thing. Like even Viv Vision or whatever. It's just kind right. of... Or um, what was it? The Purple Girl. It's like the daughter of the Purple Man. And then you've got oh. all the spider people. And then Miss Marvel's like just a fan of Captain Marvel I kind of view the Marvel child situation like I do the Pokemon fighting animal situation. Like, <laughs> you just don't talk about it, and it makes it fun. Yep. If you stop and think too hard, you're going to make yourself mm. sad. Yeah. But yeah, like what you were saying, like, normally it's not really so much like the mentor-mentee thing. So, like, if they're getting arrested, so that means, like, uh, what's that that young one? The one with, like, the giant, like, red dinosaur or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Moon Girl's actually one of the people that also got, like, taken into this yeah. Right. I'm like, what happened to Double Dinosaur? That's so sad. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> but it's only four issues. Is, is it going to come back? Maybe. But the other story I've been reading, it has been X Factor, which is 2020's X Factor, which is written by Leah Williams. The artist is David Belian and Israel Silva. So X Factors, of course, is a group of mutants that investigates missing mutants um, to see if they're dead or just missing and helps decide who needs to be resurrected because they didn't really have resurrection protocols put into place. Right. I remember, like, the first, like, two or three Mm -hmm. issues. I think I read it this when I was trying to read the X titles. Yeah. To be honest, this is a smart idea. They have this crazy resurrection protocol, and there's that plot hole of, like, who gets resurrected? Like, Mm -hmm. is there a line? Because there are a bunch of mutants that are dead and have been dead for a long time got some mystery aspects with them investigating whatever they're investigating just falls into their lap a lot of the times <laughs> but just plot convenience plot convenience but when i first started reading this it started out good um but it felt rushed mm-hmm. because the first issue as i said like a couple months ago was the whole team coming together investigating the death of aurora which is of course mm-hmm. north star's twin sister they solve it in one issue, and the team's together now. <laughs> I forgot about that. I read that one. Yeah, that should have been split into two, based off of pacing. You can give the group time to breathe and actually investigate a bit. But recently, after X of Swords, X Factor has gotten a lot better. They're currently investigating, like, Siren keeps continuously dying for strange and unexplicable reasons to the point where her brother Banshee doesn't even know that she's been dying. We've gotten more character development. This is what I signed up for. I signed up for character. I signed up for quippy moments. And the story has actually started to take a breather. And then, of course, uh, totally not biased, but Tommy Shepard showed up, and I'm very happy about seeing Speed in an actual comic line. (laughs) So keep it going, please, (laughs) Leah, because this is great. This is really good. Mm. The other series I'm reading as well is Strange Academy, um, which is written by Scotty Young. The artist is Humberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. Pretty much uh, Doctor Strange opens up a school for young sorcerers, and we get kind of like Hogwarts, but it's down (laughs) in Louisiana, so it's down in New Orleans. And all the students, besides the teachers, 
are brand new characters. So like the teachers, you have oh. Doctor Strange, you have uh, Voodoo, you have Magic, you have Scarlet Witch, you have Agatha Harkness, you have pretty much anyone that you can think of. Sounds that, awesome. Yeah, anyone that deals with magic that is either mm. good or aligns closer to good, because Agatha <laughs> likes to mess with things. So like hero, anti-heroes are all Yeah, allowed. no one purely okay. evil. And there's 11 <laughs> new students. That is a lot. I was afraid this was going to just get overwhelmed with people and mm -hmm. certain characters falling in the background. And to be honest, a lot of them do. I was going to say, I think I remember because I picked up the first issue with you because this came out around the same time of like the mid of Young Justice. And yes. we were already feeling like characters getting pushed aside or whatever mm -hmm. for other different characters. You need a core of at least five, like, I would say four to six is kind of like a good number for like, if you have mm -hmm. a new team with new characters, you can easily flush out with there. You can have some background characters. Uh, there's two twins that are from Asgard. There's a frost giant, fairy girl. There's a girl that looks kind of like a tiefling. You have the main character who is, I'm sorry, a bit of a Mary Sue. Um, her <laughs> powers, she's like, very overpowered. I we don't know what her whole thing is. You have Dormammu's son. <laughs> Which um, Dor Dormammu is normally a bad guy? Yes. I okay. think because Doyle wants to be a good guy. So <laughs> he has daddy issues. Who wouldn't if your dad's Dormammu, to be honest? I don't um, even know he could be a dad. I honestly. didn't either. And then there's also, I think, some icy alien looking guy. There's a girl who's technically a zombie. And then there's two other guys that just fall in the background. And I, I don't know. I like the concept. I'm going to keep reading it because the main plot is interesting. It's kind of hooked me in with a bunch of different things, like what's going on with the school. But of course, they have to have some chosen one prophecy going on. So there's, there's that going on. Right. And I'm like... It's totally Harry Potter then. Yep. And it's the girl. This time Hermione takes a chair. <laughs> Someone's fanfic is seeing the light of day. Because <laughs> like, the latest bits that has happened, they went up against some bad people because they lured these kids out. They thought they were really strong and powerful, but it turns out that their abilities are unlimited in the confines of the school because of a contract that Doctor Strange made and pretty much overestimated what um, abilities they had. And Doyle Dormammu died. He completely died. And the main character, she, in this issue, learns the truth. They do some background info dump. And she, in her grief and just saying goodbye, kisses him on the forehead and somehow sparks him back to life because he's also like his dad. He's kind of like this flaming head thing. <laughs> And he gets resurrected, and you're like, excuse me, what now? <laughs> <laughs> just that Elsa Anna thing, you know? Magic! <laughs> but I think it's going to have, it's obviously it's going to have some consequences, because they mm -hmm. hint in conversations, and also some of those little extra <laughs> bits that they throw in, like student report cards or emails between the teachers. So I like when they throw those in. They make it really fun, because you're seeing stuff that's yeah. not going on like some are demerit slips of like tardiness or improper use of powers and you're like this is cute like this is 
it adds to it, but yeah, I don't it's know. It's what you would expect, too, because you mm -hmm. know that not all, everybody is a perfect student. Nope. It is the same guy. <laughs> oh, it's oh. one of the Asgardian twins, because he's a jerk. But <laughs> It's just Fred and George Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> but not actually funny. <laughs> so that's Strange Academy. I really... I have high hopes for this because Scotty Young is a really good author. Normally he's an artist, right? Well, he's also done his own uh, I Hate Fairyland book. Oh, interesting. Have you read it, Muse? Mm -mm. I've seen bits of it, but I've not actually picked it up. He is predominantly an artist, and he's predominantly a cover artist cover for various... Yeah. He has those very iconic, cute little chibi-style art. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That seemed new. I was really excited when I saw his name. Mm -hmm. And then we got Man Bat. My only yeah. title. Oh my gosh. It's written by Dave <laughs> Wilgos, and the artist is Sumit uh, Kumar and... Romulo Fajardo Jr. Thank you. I can't Spanish. <laughs> I can Spanish better than some people, and that's kind of sad, <laughs> because it's not quesadilla thank you um <laughs> i will say it ironically so this takes place before Indian's justice league dark so it's kind of explaining okay. like his progress into being the crazed man bat and now into kind of like a professor hulk in a way yeah uh, we only have issue one right now uh i do enjoy it. It's good for those who might not know anything about Man Bat or haven't read anything of his recently. It's really easy to jump into. Really easy. If you yeah. just know the basic concept or maybe watch that one episode from the animated series. If you have <laughs> if that... If you just watch the pilot of Bat 90s Batman. Oh yeah, just watch the pilot and then go read Man Bat. And that's mm -hmm. pretty much all you need to know. I'm interested to see where this goes, but my, my opinion right now of this is really high. I'm very happy. It was really good, and it's really shocking, too, because it's only a five-issue, which I feel like you don't see a lot of five-issue miniseries from mm -hmm. DC. Normally, it's six or 12, and that's yep. about it. And this one was actually supposed to come out last uh, March. Yes. But because of the publication, it got put on DC's back burner, and now it's finally making it cycle through. You didn't read this one, did no, you? No, I did not. And it has an amazing front cover. Mambat looking murderous over I was the very confused though because I actually didn't pick up on it until you told me about it, Muse. I thought this was taking place like coinciding with Justice oh, League Dark when I read okay. it. So I was like, wait a minute. I thought like he had this thing under control. I thought him and his marriage was good. Yeah. yeah I think it's, this is awesome though. It says it, I think, on the title page. It gives you the credits and at the very bottom asterisk a little author's note of this story takes place before the events of metal and justice league dark oh even before metal so that's a, this is like before 2017 then interesting okay well yeah because it would have to be before I don't no even know justice yeah no justice right okay mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. So i'm ex we'll, i'm excited though we'll, it's we'll still a good read i definitely think you should pick it up fee dr kirk right. langstrom's not descent into madness, but descent up into sanity. <laughs> <laughs> nice. His redemption arc. It's his re it really is his, like, five-issue redemption arc. So we get to kind of see... It's going to be a struggle. So it's mostly going to be Man Batch, Kirk Langstrom, struggling with his dual identity 
between both his addiction with the serum and finally kind of merging the two together a mm -hmm. bit. And then proving himself to himself, his wife, and to Batman that, hey, I'm not the villain you think I am. I'm not the bad guy. Exactly. And not just to them, but to just to old Gotham. The Jekyll and Hyde days are behind us. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some pretty good choices, Muse. I'm tempted to pick up that Champions run. And maybe I'll give Strange Academy another shot. I did only pick up, like, the first issue of that. Yeah. Thankfully, Champions right now only has three issues, so you could easily just slip yeah, in Yeah, make my it. way in. Especially mm -hmm. now, after playing the Miles Morales, like, video game, I know, like, I feel like I know a little bit more of mm -hmm. Miles, because all I really had to go off of was the Spider-Verse movie. Yes. And then I just got this game two weeks ago. That's more development than you would get from the comics, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. like, just stick with that. <laughs> Miles does have some good moments, especially in issue two and three. Like, I feel like I didn't really know him that well. Just like, oh, okay, he, he's the kid that replaced Peter while he was dead. Got um, it. I read his first appearance, and I was just like, this kid is so bland. Like, he's it's just, Bendis. like, nice. Yes. <laughs> he's a nice kid, and he just... I don't know. He felt really robotic. He didn't feel like he had any personality. It was, it was just a shoo-in. Unoffensive. Yep. That's all I can say about him. He was just bland. And then they show us into the Spider-Verse, and you're like, wow, I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you put him in the hands of a good writer or a good writing team, and Miles mm -hmm. can easily turn into, like, a good character. Same with Riri. Ironheart. Well, that's anybody. Anybody can turn into a good character if they're written well. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not willing to give Riri that because when she was created, she wasn't nice. She wasn't. She was a monster. <laughs> Even her backstory. I left for ten minutes when I read her her story, and it, she was like telling her teacher basically like she wanted to do something when she grew up. I can't remember what it was like be an astronaut, and the teacher's mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, you could do that," and she goes. No, you're supposed to say I can't, so that I can have something to fight against. And oh she's my like, god! What? And she just stares her teacher down <laughs> about it with like this serial killer look. And I was like cutting pictures and posting them on online. Online, I'm like, look at this! Everyone needs to suffer with me because this is the funniest thing. <laughs> I had no idea where she came from. It entertained me for like months. Listen, I'm, I'm, I know I'm walking back on what I said. <laughs> Anyone can be saved with a good writer. But, like, you have to, like, seriously go in, destroy everything about her, and create a hollow shell for you to build up from the <laughs> ground again. And at that point, why not just make a new character? I don't know. I haven't read much of her. She was only in, like, I think the most recent issue or two. It's Like I said, it's been a while since I read Champions. So and I'm... I haven't read her at all. <laughs> Pretty good choices, though, Muse. Like I said, I'm definitely tempted to pick up the champions, and I'll give Strange Academy a second shot. But, moving on to mine, this is actually from V's comic collection, so I already know how V feels about this title, which is Captain Adam, which is a superhero I never thought I would love their comic series so much. <laughs> so this is actually from 1987 to 1989. I believe the entire run is 56 issues. I have read, because this is all V owns, issues 1 to 25 and the two annuals. I bought them from eBay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> I want more! <laughs> so this is written by Carrie Bates and Greg Wiseman, and the art is done pretty much by Patrick Broderick and Bob Smith is the colorist. 
So it really just starts off with like Captain Adam's origin. Muse, how much do you know of Captain Adam? Not much. My only exposure would be probably his appearance in Justice League Unlimited and Public Enemies. That was about it. Great. So take both of those and scrap it. (laughs) (laughs) Because his actual comic portrayal, the exact opposite. He is nothing like I was picturing. Because all I really remembered were those same two things. His Justice League episode and the Public Enemies, where he's basically made out to be like DC Comics' Captain America, where he's all for the country and everything and does whatever. No. Like I said, it just starts off with his whole origin, which I knew nothing about. I only knew of him and his powers. That's it. This guy is from the 60s, originally. He was from 1968, He was part of the U.S. Air Force. He got framed for a situation, and so he was court-martialed. Or he could have signed up for a military experiment, and if he survived, he wouldn't be court-martialed anymore. This experiment was bonding his body to this alien metallic alloy, and that was basically the whole test. They put him into, like, this bunker or whatever with, like, nuclear radiation and things, and... Somehow, they basically made him unconscious for 20 years. So he woke up in, like, 1987. He left a wife and two kids. Yikes. And this whole project is being seen by General Wade Eiling. Does that ring a bell for you, Muse? The name is sort of familiar, but I'm not... He does make a good couple appearances and things. Normally, he's seen going back and forth with Amanda Waller regarding, like, uh, tactics with the Suicide Squad. Yep, that's So he oversaw this whole project. Captain Adam wakes up in 1987, no idea what's going on, no idea what year it is or anything like that, and basically he has to get readjusted, and he's working alongside the Air Force and the rest of the government basically saying, we need you to be America's superhero. <laughs> We need you to be our person in the spotlight to go against all these other guys that are not fighting for the country. These so-called, like, heroes, like, that man in Gotham, the alien from Metropolis, and just starts rattling off all these different things. The guy who's basically training him looks like an evil scientist. (laughs) It is a man in a robotic wheelchair with robot hands because he has no control of his body except for his head. And he is always being, like, wheeled around and partnered by this man called Babylon who is pretty much just this beefy Lex Luthor. That's what he looks like. That's kind of terrifying. So the two of them work together with General Eiling and the U.S. Air Force and send Captain Adam on all these different missions as he's learning about his quantum powers. And also having him as, like, their man on the inside of the Justice League International, which is being funded by Maxwell Lord, and the leader is Ted Cord, Blue Beetle. Yeah. And in order for all this to seem believable, the military make him a fake origin story, where he's actually always been a superhero, but nobody ever knew because nobody could ever get a look at him. He went through like three different costume changes. He used to work alongside the original Blue Beetle, Dan Garrett. 
until finally he was ready to like show himself to the public. They had like lie on top of lie. They made him a bunch of different arch enemies, where people who knew well enough that they were fake took on the guise of these enemies in order to cause chaos and stuff. Okay. <laughs> and this entire time, Captain Adams like, okay, I'll work with you, but I want that court martial to be removed from my record, <laughs> and I want to see my kids. And I want to see my wife. Turns out his wife died a couple years uh, before he woke up. Oh. His wife married Wade Eiling. Yeah. Getting some kind of Monte Cristo vibes. <laughs> General yeah. Eiling married the guy's wife and fathered his two kids. His daughter Peggy, who I believe is now like in her late 20s in this and his son who is a little bit younger than peggy also joined the air force he eventually ends up meeting both his kids again the daughter very accepting of like having her father back she's been going to therapy for years because something's just always been missing in her life oh. turns out it's her father and the son wants absolutely nothing to do with it believes general Eiling's word is law He's going to do whatever he says. If he says not to trust this man, I'm not going to trust him. So Captain Adam is trying to prove himself to his son. At the same time, he has to have a completely new identity because his original identity, Nathaniel Adam, died in 1968 in a military experiment. So now he goes by this name, Cameron Scott. This entire time, he's trying to prove he's innocent. And as soon as he gets close to proving this to the government, something happens, and he decides to quit. He quits the Air Force, he starts going AWOL. So, now that he's not getting government funding anymore, he has to try and find a job. General Eiling calls every single place imaginable to tell them, never hire this man. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, as a turn of events, after the Captain Adam project they thought failed in the 60s, in 1969, they had the Major Force project. So we also get the origin of Major Force, who, God, completely different type of guy. Mm -hmm. This man, I also knew nothing about. He was a murderer and a rapist, and he was on death row. And so they put him through this military experiment and pumped him up with twice as much alien alloy that they did Captain Adam. So they thought that he were going to get the same type of results, except he would be able to be more controlled because they also put bombs and implants in his head in case he got too out of whack. Someone's learning from Amanda Waller. <laughs> but he doesn't have the same powers as Captain Adam. Captain Adam has quantum powers where he can fly, he can shoot quantum beams and stuff. Major Force, he does matter. <laughs> can like, I just say, like, you just, you can't name a rapist Major Force. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so inappropriate. <laughs> also, you essentially gave the man steroids. Like, you just roided this guy up even more. God, is he just as much of a dick in this as he was in Public Enemy? I want to say it's a little bit less okay. for a man who's a murderer and a rapist. <laughs> okay. Which is really shocking. 
So this guy, his superpower is that he can create matter. And I think he can also absorb energy just like Captain Adam can. Not as much. And he kind of has to do like that Hulk jump thing in order to get into far distances. <laughs> he can't fly. And um, he just really boiling. wants fame. That's all he wants. He wants to be the guy in the spotlight that's getting all the ladies and everything. Mm. So he'll do whatever <laughs> the government says. But the problem is he's not hero material. He's going to save people in a burning building. He's just going to barrel in. And he's not going to care if there's other casualties. So when the news people interview him, he's like, eh, I did what I could. And then he leaves. Yeah, and then this man's happen. son, after seeing that his father was going on death row for killing his mother, he decides to enlist in the Air Force and to try and prove that he can be a better man than his father ever was, finds out about this project that's using his father, and he decides to try and weasel his way in to try and exterminate the Major Force project. And he gets stopped by General Eiling and makes a deal with him saying... If this becomes successful, we don't know if it will, but whenever it does, and your father crosses a line, I'll let you pull the button on. Oh my no. god. <laughs> Team put uh, little bombs in Amanda Waller and General Eileen's squad, alright? This is this is our new goal. <laughs> Court of Owlets meeting. <laughs> our new effort is going to be to give these guys a taste of their own medicine because they are completely off their meds. What a psychotic person General Eileen is. Isn't that insane? Just, sir. And sir. you don't really get to see a lot of Major Force, at least I didn't, because he just kind of showed up in like these later couple issues. And he keeps calling Captain Adam like his little buddy because they were supposed to be like partners together working for the government. Uh. But he just got out of line way too many times. Adam basically laser beams into Major Force's chest, I quit, and drops him on the Pentagon. <laughs> and that's when he went AWOL. And then that's when Eiling started making all these phone calls to all these different airports and the stuff to not hire this man. I would be so worried if I was Eiling that I would get a cease and desist letter char carved into my chest. You know what I mean? Like, what's this guy's deal? So then, because this was only an 18-year difference, a bunch of people that Captain Adam was in the Air Force with are just a little bit older, but they still remember, like, how Captain Adam was. He ends up meeting with, like, his longtime best friend, Gaz, who was with him since the beginning, supported his family whenever he was away on a mission. Gaz ends up dating Captain Adam's daughter. Gross. This Ugh. man is old enough to be her father. No. Not only are they dating, they're also engaged where I last left off. <sighs> no, no. And it sounded like she was pregnant. And they had only just broken the news to Captain Adam. Gosh. No one's afraid of this man. I feel like they should be. And also, of <laughs> course, because he's a man from the 60s, he has a lot of, like, Vietnam references and stuff like that. So he's out to lunch with them, and then after a day leave, of course, he's, like, annoyed. He's, like, because he just found all this out. He's, like, my best friend is dating my daughter. The best friend has been around, like, before she was born. 
and my daughter is dating a, a black man twice her age. <laughs> oh, we're going that no! route. Honey, yeah. stick to the key talking points here. <laughs> so all that is going on. <laughs> he was only first doing this hero gig because the government told him to and his court martial would be gone. And then, of course, just like a routine, he kind of got used to it. So when he quit the Air Force and quit the government, he was still doing these hero things. He's like, I guess that's me now. I guess I'm just Captain Adam now. Cool. Can he Aww. switch from being that, like, metallic body? Yes. With the- okay, so he can. Yeah, he trained it where he can actually absorb it, kind of like um, Spider-Man Symbiote suit, okay. a little bit. It kind of dissolves and appears. It's always on him. I so he's always bulletproof and, like, all yeah, that stuff. I think I've seen versions where it, like, looks like mercury kind of going into his body because it's mm-hmm. that silver. So it kind of, like, liquid mercury's into him. But it's like, no, he's he's still, like, really... He's like Superman. You still hit him really hard, and it's like... Nah, if man, he I'm allows it, because he does get banged up a pretty good amount at a time. And there's some, <sighs> like, reoccurring villains... Um, there's that one person from Suicide Squad called Nightshade who actually has, like, a little thing going on with Captain Adam. There is a French-Canadian villain named Plastique who is always showing up now and then again <laughs> where Captain Adam just always happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time for her. And she was, like, part of, like, a Quebec terrorist group because oh. Quebec wanted to secede from Canada. <laughs> And so she was trying to do, like, all these different things to give Canada a reason to let Quebec go. Gosh. <laughs> I love her. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Plastique showed up in Teen Titans, didn't she? I think so. I'm not... I don't remember. Yeah, I've seen her referenced in, like, some TV series. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the same person in the no. comics. I thought she was so neat in the comics. She's beautiful and intelligent and evil and Captain Adam's kind of like, there's some good in you. And she's like, no, there isn't. <laughs> Which is my favorite dynamic. <laughs> it's just, the whole series is just so great. I didn't, like I said, I did not expect to love Captain Adam as much as I do. And I was really sad because I'm like, oh, now I just have to kind of read this when <laughs> I can. I can't do it as part of my challenge anymore <laughs> to myself. Maybe for your birthday, I'll buy some more. Oh my no, gosh, it wasn't plastic. It was, mm. but it was another. What is her abilities? I'm guessing it's. She basically is like Bakugo from My Hero Academia, where she can make things explode. Okay, no, it, I was thinking it was like the stretchy woman from Teen Titans. She was. You would think that, right? Because plastic. I get it. But it's the plastic and bombs. Yeah. Yep, and bombs. Like yep. C four. Her first introduction was almost blowing up Ronald Reagan and the Canadian Prime Minister. (laughs) Yeah, she's a murderer. And that was the other thing, too, I forgot, is, like, Captain Adam, it's come a while to really get into that hero mindset. Like, one of his first appearances with his powers and everything, this plastique had set bombs on all these different people. One of those people were in the Statue of Liberty... So he flies over there, grabs them, but didn't have enough time to take the bomb off. So she just went kablooey, and his only lines were, Wham, blam, I'm sorry, (laughs) ma'am. 
Yeah, there are some misses. No. <laughs> Gosh. Overall, this series is great. I am so excited to keep reading it. I really suggest reading it. And there was actually a six-issue miniseries in 2016 or 2017 called The Fall and Rise of Captain Adam that was also written by Carrie Bates and Greg Wiseman, which I actually owned one issue of, and I was ready to sell it, and now I'm regretting that decision because I've read all this, Mm -hmm. and I know it's written by the same guys. So you took it out of the sell pile? Yeah, and now it's back in my box. <laughs> so, yeah, this was great. I really suggested it. And to close this out, I want to bring our attention back to the reason we are having this episode. Future stage! <laughs> so, just like I gave myself a challenge for 2021 to read a new comic every single day from V's collection, V decided for the first two months of 2021, she is going to read all of Future State. I am doing this so you don't have to. And I greatly appreciate it. Yep. Although I will say you got me to read one. I did. And I do not regret that. I did not make you read the 9 out of 10s. I only gave you the 10 out of 10. That's not true. You read to me the next Batman. I didn't read all of it. You read all of it. I did? The psychic damage is done. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I was reading out loud and you were just like eavesdropping. Well, um, yeah, okay. So let me give you the rundown. I'm going to go very quickly because uh, I don't want to talk about it that much. Um, Okay. Understandably. Let's see, so I did read Future State, The Next Batman. Um, I think you read up to the third issue. Uh, so it's written by John Ridley, and then like there are, of course, a bunch of stories in the back part. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to reiterate that the stories that are kind of add-ons, they're not worth it. Like, just <laughs> don't even bother. Some of them are a little funny, just for the memes. Like... Mm-hmm. There's this prison break one where <laughs> Stephanie's best friend is Zaz. And, of course, uh, Stephanie, uh, spoiler, has taken over the prison system of Gotham. And they need to save Batgirl, Babs, who, you know, is missing. There's some different things happening. The Outsiders are mentioned. Some of the writers are Paul Jenkins, Brandon Thomas, Ken Christensen, Vida Ayala, Paula Sevenbergen. But honestly, like, not worth it. Uh, the main continuity, it's um, Tim Fox. He's doing some stuff. It's a lot of his family. Um, his mom is pro-killing Batman. <laughs> oh. So you get that whole, like, um, Scarlet Pimpernel storyline where it's like, oh, I want to do good, but my family wants to hunt me down. What do I do? And the thing is, Tim Fox is not a hero. He's not heroic in the least. Mm -hmm. Um, We've always known him as a script brother. Now he's kind of just constantly confronting what right and wrong is to him. Like, he stops these two murderers in the street, and they're like, oh, some guy, you know, he said if we, he would help us commit the murder and help us get out of here if we just disappeared, you know? And he's like, ah, but you murdered someone. They're like, well, he raped our daughter. Oh, my god! And killed her. So we don't know. Like, he's a pedophile. And and 
he's like, oh. And he's just kind of stuck sitting there like, I don't know what to do. And then, like, the bad guys show up and they're like, we gotcha. Which, the bad guys are the cops. Uh, The magistrate is the guy controlling the city. He kind of reminds me of um, Bebop and Rocksteady from... um, like, he just gives off that vibe. Oh, from the Ninja Turtles? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the aesthetic we're going for here with the upper echelons. Um, but keep in mind that Future State jumps around different decades. Mm-hmm. So some things are happening in the next 10 years, the next 20, right. and so on. So it's very confusing. Just assume that everybody has a different art style, different idea of what the future looks like. So yeah, they Basically, the magistrate is the guy controlling it, but the magistrate is also the cop force Mm -hmm. controlling Gotham. Uh, So far, the next Batman, it's kind of been Snoozeville. I would give it a 1 out of 10 just because it puts me to sleep. Oh, boy. Um, It's not funny in the, oh, this is so bad, I have to read it kind of way. It's just just really just garbage. It's just It's not roastable. It's just sad. Yeah, just throw it out. Future State, the dark detective, of course, focuses on Batman, because everybody thinks that Bruce Wayne is dead, and also that Batman is dead. Mm -hmm. But now Bruce is homeless, he's poor, Gotham has turned into uh, Times Square, (laughs) and he's just, like, running around like, I don't recognize this place. (laughs) It's not gothic. What is this? It's too (laughs) bright. Is this progress? I hate it. (laughs) There's, like, his face on a big, like, screen, and he's, like, gross. (laughs) He goes into a a coffee shop that looks like the one I went in in New York, where it's just kind of, like, attempting to be modern, but it's kind of dirty. He gets shot by the cops, basically. So he's back down to just fighting the street level. Another notable thing is that uh, it, they misquoted the Dark Knight. <laughs> he said like, his internal monologue is, you either die the hero or live long enough oh, to become gosh. the vigilante. <laughs> Who wrote this? Mariko Tamaki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anytime I see her on anything new... That looks interesting, like the Tracer Overwatch series, or like oh right, the, there's like a little Thor and Loki little Double Trouble, which is also written by her, and I was like, nah, nope, <laughs> not touching it. Just bad news, but yeah, this one was written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Dan Mora. Ugh. It is what it is. I don't like it. And if you don't like it, too bad because she is the main writer on Batman now. Come March. For Detective Comics. We'll see about that. Anyways, uh, once again, it's not so bad. It's funny. It's just kind of a yawn. One star. (laughs) Take it back to the kitchen. Uh, Moving on, Aquaman. Uh, Brandon Thomas is the writer. Artist is Daniel Sempere. Okay. Um, Basically, Jackson and Andy, Aqualad is a little older. Andy, Aquagirl, is now Aquawoman. He's basically her chaperone. They go on missions together. Suddenly, magical portals called the Confluence all across the water, and now they're transported to a bunch of different islands. This is all being told by Jackson, who has been captured by aliens. (laughs) Um, They're kind of just trying to understand him. They're being really reasonable. They're like... All right, so you keep trying to escape. What's going on? And he's like, <laughs> we were just chilling. 
the sky turned pink, the water turned green. We were like, what are these sea creatures? And we kept going through different like dimensions where the animals got weirder and weirder. We would help people. We were on these great adventures. Then one day, this big tentacle monster grabs him, paralyzes them, sort of, and he gets away by electrocuting it. But the tentacle holding Andy isn't letting go. So he jumps over to her. He's holding onto her leg. He's trying to pull her off. And she takes her her water kinesis. Uh-huh. I think you guys called it. I don't know much about the <laughs> Aquaman current family dynamics, but she cuts her own leg off. <laughs> oh my god! So he'll just Jeez. drop. And I'm just so confused because he was gonna <laughs> do that anyways. Oh my gosh! Like father, like daughter, I guess. I know, like, Aquaman has to lose an arm, I guess Andy has to lose his leg. The whole reason she couldn't get away was because she was paralyzed, but apparently not. (laughs) So she could have stabbed the tentacle monster. But instead she's just like, no, my leg, though. Oh, That's the real villain here. (laughs) (laughs) She's in the sea. She has aquakinetic powers. Does she really need to kick? And you can always just, like, use her aquakinesis and make a leg. <laughs> make a water leg. Make I'm gonna water. be honest, the way they portray her in the story, she is dumb as a sack of rocks. <laughs> like, Well, when we last saw her in the comics, like before Future State, she was only six months old. She has not matured. Oh. She's like, well, I don't get what you have to be around me. Is this a man thing? You gotta protect women? Oh and he's just like, uh. no... Your mom told me to protect you. Ha ha. And he kind of like, he's constantly like trying to be a big mentor to her. And he's like and she's dealing with her. This she's is... just constantly having tantrums over anything. She's just like, I don't like this. I don't like that. Why are we doing this? And it's like, can this... you calm down? We this just is... met you. This is Simba and Zazu. It's oh my a god, like that. <laughs> but this is worse because it now sets a precedence for Andy's character later because like Joe said, she's only like six months. She has no personality. She's a baby. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of like the jumps in age that DC's been forcing us through. Nobody is. <laughs> it's really no. traumatizing. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so he's just telling the aliens that, and he's like, and now she's coming, because he like knows. And they're like, wait, she's coming here? Ah! <laughs> And also, I want to I want to address that, like, while they're interviewing him, they're like, you wouldn't tell us even your name before when we captured you and put you in our prison. <laughs> Why are you telling us all this now, you know? They're like, we could have gotten you therapy. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we're not savages. <laughs> this would have helped us understand why you invaded our kingdom, because, yeah, we know about the confluence, and... We could get that if you were like, oh, yeah, we're just superheroes helping people. They'd be like, that's fine. But you just show up. You're an angry-looking guy with threads and tattoos. We got scared. We threw you in prison. Jason Momoa? (laughs) He looks like Jason Momoa. It's amazing. (laughs) But I kind of like him. But, yeah, this once again, nothing really happens except that Andy loses her leg. I did see, like, a couple of the panels as you were reading it, and, like, the art is pretty good. Oh, the colors are 
gorgeous. I will say, though, there were some panels of Jackson where it looks like they just took the frame from the Aquaman movie. It really does. There was one that was really uh, stood out to me was the shot where it's showing his back and, like, his head turns around and he kind of gives, like, a little smirk or whatever. Yeah. Right from the trailer. That's, like, that's not even the trailer. That's the freaking poster. That's his intro scene. I know. I don't really know a lot about Daniel Simperi, so I don't know what his deal is with I have seen his name a couple times. I believe he's done a couple with uh, Venditti for Justice League. Oh. I believe, but I've definitely seen him around. Well, I give it a 3 out of 10 or a 4 out of 10, you know? It's kind of... That's still pretty poor. It's pretty boring. It's... <laughs> I, I was bored the whole time, but the colors were pretty, so... Great. Anyways, Catwoman number one. Um, I just want to talk about this one. Uh, Catwoman number two will not be out until February 16, and I am so upset about it. It's so close, though. Yeah, but it's not close enough. So, <laughs> Ram V is the writer... And he has been the writer for Catwoman. Mm. And then we have Otto freaking Schmidt, who yeah. did Queen yeah. Catwoman from Harley Quinn's D&D game. He always draws her kind of like she has no nose. She kind of reminds me of, um, oh, what's that grave guy from Spider-Man? She kind of looks like Tombstone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but her outfit is super cool. Her tech is awesome. This is a train heist. This is a present break. You love those. She is saving orphans. You love those. I love all of that. This is in a Blade Runner future where everything is super crisp and bright vaporwave colors. This Catwoman is the hero of the downtrodden. She has her buddies with her, her henchmen Leo and Cheshire. Cheshire Cat, yeah. And uh, she's got uh, some quirky individuals that we know and love, and I won't spoil it for you, but the reveals... They're huge. Yeah. This is the only one I read. It was amazing. Her motorcycle that she has in it reminds me a lot of Batman's from the 90s cartoon. Everything about it just had me on my toes. I was so excited to just keep getting to the next page. And like you said, like the twist at the end, oh my gosh. The pacing, the dialogue, everything is quick, crisp, it's beautiful, it's professional. This is the ideal to shoot for. This was like prime Catwoman. It reminded me so much of Jed McKay's Black Cat series. And it's like, this is what we've been needing. (laughs) And one, I was shocked because I'm like, it's Future State. I cannot believe that this was so good for being a Future State title. (laughs) And two, because we've been reading Ramvi's Catwoman before Future State. And like, we were kind of like, okay. I mean, it wasn't, like, offensively bad. It was just kind of, like, ugh, you know? It was, like, a solid, Pass. like, three out of five. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what made him step up, but, like, this is Catwoman how we want to see her. Yeah. Because we know that Catwoman has a soft spot for the the dispossessed. And here she is taking care of the kids of Gotham who are being shipped away for a re-education camp. This is basically one of those Holocaust trains yeah. And she's like, we're stealing the whole train. <laughs> nice. And they're like, you can't do this. They're OP. We're the trash. We're the street rats of this society. What are you doing? <laughs> Classy. It's fun. She does it with this quirky sense of humor and a can-do attitude that I associate with Catwoman. Yeah. But I've only been getting from Black Cat. And thing about Black Cat, I love her. She's so fun. 
but she is inherently selfish. Catwoman pretends to be selfish, but she's always doing it for someone else, and that is why I love her. Mm-hmm. If she's not doing it for a charity for cats, she's doing it for prostitutes, or she's doing it for human trafficking victims, or she's doing it for orphans, or she's just doing it because she saw someone in trouble and she's there, and that's who's there to help. Just her whole thing is she's really caring of anyone in worse straits than herself, and I'm all for that. So, I'm sorry for raving so long. That was Catwoman 1, and I highly recommend it. Can't recommend it enough. Now let's get into the really bad. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Superman of Metropolis. This is one of those great ones where it just keeps giving. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is by the writer Sean Lewis and also Brandon Easton. The artist is John Timms. Right, the Young Justice guy. Superboy is now a Superman, (laughs) and he's dealing with the Magistrate-esque people. Um, Basically, these robot-enhanced humans, he knows that they are connected to Brain Cell, who is a descendant of Brainiac. Oh my gosh. And Brain Cell is a giant orb with, like, (laughs) six different mouths. All of them are just full of teeth. Yeah. He's real creepy. I was just thinking, when you mentioned brain cell earlier, I was thinking of this tiny little, like, alien-looking brainiac. Like, this little yeah, chibi... Yeah, like Brainiac 5 in the cartoon. Yeah, like this little chibi-looking cute little That tiny would be adorable. That would be adorable! But no. <laughs> it's really oh, gross. Look at this, this monstrosity. horrifying creature Superboy, that looks like it probably came Superman out of Doom. Superman has a super problem <laughs> with the brain cell. <laughs> Who's holding the brain cell? <laughs> it's Superboy. So he steals it from the government. <laughs> and now the government has no brain cell, so they have to go get it back. But here's the thing. The brain cell is connected to all this tech that mm-hmm. has been implanted into people, so he can control them. He's also glowing with green energy, which is never a good sign. Not for Kryptonians. No. But here's the thing, John is half human, and the brain cell keeps roasting him for it, you know, (laughs) going on and on about how he's real super people are Superman and Supergirl. Mm -hmm. Superboy's like, I'm going to take you far away from the humans so you can't control them and ruin their lives. So here's what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm going to bottle Metropolis (laughs) to keep it safe. So he shrinks him down and puts him on a little platter. I'm sorry, it's just, it's as silly now as it was then. So then he (laughs) takes them and the orb with him to, I believe, the Fortress of Solitude. Okay. And he's like, over here, you won't have any influence, and I can keep these guys safe until I have time to figure out how to deal with you. Meanwhile, Supergirl finds out that Metropolis has been stolen. There's just a giant hole in the ground. Oh my gosh. So she shows up, and she's like, I thought that the government did this, and so I went and destroyed all these facilities because what? I found this thing, and I've been trying to shake them down. Oh my god. I thought god. they stole Metropolis, and it was you? And he's like, yes, it was me, Supergirl. I'm super smart. <laughs> and I she have the brain her- cell. <laughs> has the brain cell. You can't argue with that. Well, the brain cell is glowing and getting crazy chaotic, and he's just like... 
yeah, Supergirl, oh yeah, you're here, great. And it's like, that's uncomfortable. And he's like, huh, I wonder why he's doing that. Oh well. And Supergirl (laughs) is like, her eyes start to glow green, and she starts to get like irrationally angry about him bottling the city. I don't think there's anything irrational. Well, she starts to get like frothing at the mouth angry. Oh, never mind. And she starts attacking him, she's trying to kill him. And she starts oh yelling gosh. at him, like, oh, this is why I said you should never do this. You'll never be a real super. You're a waste of space. I don't know. Oh. She just starts, like, yelling weird stuff. It's like stuff. the Blackest Night type of shit. This is, like, so reusing she- the stuff that got thrown at Connor. Yeah. So she's, yeah. she's got some of that juice, whatever that juice is that they already discovered that I'm not aware of. But it's some sort of or kryptonite-based juice that controls crypt- or makes them, like, irrationally angry. It's kryptonite Kool-Aid. Yeah. So she's close to the brain cell, and the brain cell affects the kryptonians that way because it's, like, deadly to them. And mm-hmm. so, like, they have a defense system in place, which is... Losing their minds <laughs> sounds legit. Whatever, we're moving on. So he's like, oh no, I gotta get her away from that brain cell. So he like flies out into the air. She chases after him. They fight it out. He realizes maybe he made an oopsie and he shouldn't have done that. Because also she's like, you, you literally don't know what that would do to people. You don't think that would freak people out? You don't know they're safe. That's not safe. I don't know. He's a stupid child. So <laughs> he goes back, and what do you know? Brain cell has absorbed Metropolis into himself. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. And he's like, ha ha, you fell into my trap, Superboy. I predicted you would do this because you're a human and I can predict humans. Supergirl shows up, and he's like, and guess what else I can do? And he like zaps her with the goo, and she like, ah. and he's like, yeah, that kills them. She's dead. <gasps> oh my And he's gosh. like, well, bye. So he leaves, because well, Superboy was like, I'll blast you. And he goes, you can't, because you will kill Metropolis. So oh, my God. Goodbye. Holy crap. And Superboy's like, wow, I'm a little dummy. So he goes over with Supergirl. She's like, no, it's fine. I'm fine. And he's like, oh, good. You're not dead. <laughs> and then um, he kidnaps Superboy. Right. So he's kidnapped Superboy. Then he has him fight clones of his dad in different dimensions and his dad is saying stupid stuff like one's like I fought the Nazis and the other one's like I'm from this era and anyways it's completely useless <laughs> so he's fighting them and fights like a version of Connor what like new 52 Connor and what I guess that's Superman as well in some dimension whatever new 52 Connor is that like it, the black shirt no that's pretty new 52 new 52 Connor is the the red right. and black It's like a whole Toronto. black suit. Yeah. The hot Black one. and red suit. Yeah, yeah. With the red glowy lines. Yeah. This one's the boring one the with the Tron black suit. shirt. God. So, anyways, Teen he's Tron. fighting all these people, and That's he's true. like, I've been going easy on you because you look like my dad, but this is enough! <laughs> and he just, I don't know, he beats him, and Supergirl shows up, and they beat him, and Superboy puts the Metropolis back while Supergirl goes off to fight the brain cell. And he he breaks through the glass, and he's like, Metropolis, I'm really sorry for what I did. I know you can never forgive me, but I will work every day to make sure that you feel safe. So basically, 
I will never save the rest of the world. I will only save you. Oh my gosh. And that is probably how Future State comes about, because there's no Superman to intervene. Because Superman's only staying in Metropolis. Because <laughs> John Kent lost the brain cell. 100%. That is the takeaway, my friend. Wow. This whole series is the brain cell meme. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's we, all knew, a meme. we knew it's for months this was going to be bad. <laughs> we did not know just how bad this was going to be. This doesn't even deserve a one. This is, like... This is a whopping zero. zero. Oh, a new This one. is a zero for the amount of brain cells that went into this story. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a little extra time on that one because it was worth it. That was necessary. Mm-hmm. So this leads into Superman Wonder Woman. It's the same Superboy. Every morning I get up and I go say, Good morning, Metropolis! I remember you showing me this panel. <laughs> oh, God. Every day at the same time at like 8.30-something every morning. He writes with clouds in the sky, Good morning, Metropolis. So that they know that Superboy is watching. <laughs> Always watching. It's, well, the way it's introduced show. is so awful. It's like, it takes him, it's like something like, it takes him point something something seconds yeah. to drink his coffee because he likes to savor it. It's like he could point go faster. two seconds. And I'm like, I don't care. So uh, this was written by uh, Dan Waters. The art is by Leila Del Duca. So Superboy's uh, morning routine is laid out for us so we know what his deal is. He goes around, he saves people. He can hear everything. He is big brother, eyes in the sky. And he can hear if a guy is going to trip off of an I-beam because mm. Metropolis people are kind of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't Gothamites. <laughs> nope. The survival instinct has been bred out of them. Let's just be real. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Brazil, we have Yara Flor... And she is dealing with a different problem of corruption in her country. The people in charge of the roads have decided instead to use the taxpayer money to fund helipads that only the rich can use to get to and from work on their helicopters, <laughs> while the regular people have to deal with um, traffic jams like 24-7. Oh, actually, one of them, like, one of the cop chopters goes down. She didn't do it. But she does catch him. And yells at him, at this individual politician, about what he's done. And makes him write down, I'm sorry, on, like, the destroyed helicopter for, like, a hundred times or something. It's really juvenile. It's really petty. So, anyways, that's how Yara Flor is. That's our introduction to her. I want to preface this by saying Joel Jones does um, the Wonder Woman comic, and it's much better. But even in that one, Yara Flor is hot-headed. She's a lot like Korra from Avatar. Oh, from Legend of Korra. no. She's an obnoxious little brat. Really easy to hate, really easy to do badly. Moving on. <laughs> she tells a story, a Brazilian story, about the sun god and his brother, the moon. Mm-hmm. And because she's been added to the pantheon somehow... These individuals have been brought to their full glory. Like, they're given power, sort of American God style. Oh? 
Well, American Gods, the premise is that if you believe in a god, you give them power to be a god. Okay. Because of worship. So it's like she's... the Uncle Sam thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly how Uncle Sam works. So, <laughs> she... <laughs> Well, that's how he works in the comics. You guys didn't know that? No, I didn't. I thought you were just talking in general. No, literally, <laughs> if people believe enough in America, Uncle Sam's personified. I thought it was just like a throwaway, like, you know, how stocks work. If you believe enough. <laughs> no, this is legitimately Uncle Sam's power set in DC Comics. Oh my Gosh. god. <laughs> well, anyways, these two idiots are actual gods who have, like, a ranch and brew alcohol. <laughs> and each of them has, like, I can't remember if it was a cow or a horse that they ride. God stuff is weird at the mm-hmm. best of times. But, so anyways, this is Brazilian mythology. I don't know anything about it. But she starts off with a myth about how it's a creation myth. And she talks about the moon and the sun. Meanwhile, these two geniuses who are protecting their perspective areas mm-hmm. don't notice that there are two suns in the sky. We moved to Tatooine, guys. Mr. Superman can hear a guy's eye beam starting to crack, but he can't hear any individual who woke up before him going, Hey, why are there two sons? Like, he can't. Okay. So both these two look up and they're like, well, what? And so I think Yada Flora is the first to deal with it. She goes and she's like, I'm going to go talk to the sun. So she goes to their ranch where they're like, hey, drink with us. And she's like, there are two suns in the sky. And the sun is like, what? So he gets over and he's like, no one better show me up. I'm the sun. So he gets on his little steed, rides up there and yells at it. And it's, um, suffice it to say, they have like a fight with a, with an old Superman villain. And it involves two sons racing around the earth really fast. <laughs> um, seeing who can be the brightest. Um, what and there's, the heck? There's no repercussion for Earth. <laughs> I feel like there would be. <laughs> this sh- if that's not global warming, I don't know what is going to be. <laughs> People are just like, wow, uh, hope a superhero gets on that. <laughs> the sun doesn't rotate around the Earth. Thank you. Anyways. <laughs> I'm still cracking up at like the comment of Yara Floor going, I'm going to go talk to the sun. <laughs> Gotta go yell at him. Waddles all the way up the space. What's going on? Yeah, she has like a Pegasus she rides. She's a wonderful woman. We (laughs) we don't question her. So, anyways, I have no idea where this Cora girl came from, but she's fine. I'm not angry at her because I'm angry at John. Because John is like, you know what? I'm gonna go talk to the sun now. So he goes up there. He yells for a while, the Superman villain. The Superman villain's like, I'm gonna destroy your Earth. Why don't we race for it tomorrow? And he's like, okay, we will. And he comes back down to Earth, and he's like, wow, uh, you know, we've been talking, we've been plotting for a while. He's been talking with Yara. He's like, you should join this thing. And she's like, I don't join things. He goes, well, oh my gosh, it's almost 8 a.m. My time to go say, good morning, Metropolis. I gotta go. So he gets up there, he starts writing good morning, Metropolis, and he just passes out. And that's where I left off. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Anyways, that one was also a 1 out of 10 for me. So much happened in that. It was a lot. It's so Um, weird. I also don't like John. Like, the more I see him, I'm like, I don't recognize this character, and he's super creepy. 
I will say that Wonder Woman by Joel Jones, written and drawn, is amazing. Um, it's basically a retelling of Orpheus. She goes down into hell to retrieve a deceased friend. It's gorgeous. The story is silly. It's like a an 8 or 9 out of 10 for me. That's pretty good, though. The art is really good. But yeah, Yara Flor is really stupid. Uh, they, <laughs> they quote some stuff about, oh, there's some Guarani mythology in there. Oh. Uh, yeah, they talk about Tupa, the god, the real god of the sun, according to uh, <laughs> Guarani mythology, which obviously clashes with the earlier stuff she said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're talking, these writers, but uh, <laughs> she has potential. I cannot wait to see her take on the seven monsters of Guarani myth. I hope she does. Anyways, uh, this one is distinctly uh, Grecian. She goes down to Hades, she meets Persephone, there's Cerberus, the mm-hmm. boatman, the ferryman, I mean. There's a lot of stuff happening, but it's beautifully drawn, and it's actually written in a different way, where they're like, heroes aren't perfect, it's all about, but we, we learn from them as they grow. And so that's the argument that this whole comic is making, from okay. issue one to two, is just kind of like... She's she's dumb as a brick, but she's learning. <laughs> oh my god! She's we got have potential. High hopes for her. <laughs> that is pretty much the DC <laughs> message about Yara Floor right now, though. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm I'm totally fine with fallible heroes and the promise of them becoming better. So I'm okay with that. I read Flash one to two. That one is a hot mess. <laughs> they kill Bard off like a dog. Uh, also, what was the oldest Flash? What's his name again? Max Mercury. No. Jake Eric. Yeah. They take him out in, like, the worst possible way. And the ending is so... It's so dismissive and evil and just cruel to fans. This is bad intentions. This whole comic is like the death of hope. And it, it relishes it. It's like, oh, you think it's going to go well. You think it's going to go well because you believe in truth and hope and justice? Well, you're an idiot. None of that exists. <laughs> it's all Barry a lie. everything Barry is. Yeah, so that's why Barry is condemned to live life as a ghost. Nobody wins in this. Everyone dies. Who it's did this really one? dark. Brandon Vietti and Brandon Peterson is the artist. Yeah, Bart dies on, like, page two of this two-issue oh my gosh. Uh, series. Yeah, and they kind of a throwaway. Dirty. Yeah, they really did. They did everyone dirty. They did Wally dirty. Wally's of a course. murderer again. Uh, Wally's course. a monster that needs to be put down. It's just, it's a mess. Robin Eternal, you know what? It was, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, it was not as bad as the others. <laughs> it's not as bad as the description made it sound. Well, Robin's on his own. Uh, apparently, Red Hood's turned to the dark side, and Dick has gone crazy. Oh, great. S- Damien is dot, dot, dot. I don't know what that means. And uh, Tim thinks that Batman is dead. So he's all on his own. Again. He's doing his thing. <laughs> That's a little out of character, considering he had an entire run where he was like, Bruce isn't dead, and like went out mm. to try and prove it. His characterization is totally on point. I don't see anything wrong with him. He's got mm-hmm. his buddy, it's a deaf girl I don't know, from the We Are Robin crew. No, I never heard that. She's very quirky, 
And then um, Steph, who is a badass with one eye, and I don't know why she has one eye. <laughs> what happened to her eye? I don't know, but I've heard people call her Patchy in <laughs> in some of the what in the oh like the little gosh. prison break story in the next Batman. Patchy. Yeah, <laughs> but she still goes by the spoiler. Um, she kind of gave up being a hero like immediately. She's like, Batman's gone. Whoop. <laughs> I'm done. So. Tim is like, please join our force. And she's like, no. So it's like a total echo of that convergence. Co- convergence I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot like that. Um, the real problem is the Lazarus juice that is introduced. Oh. It can make robots immortal. <laughs> I don't know. That's what we're dealing with. Of course, Robin, it's Robin Eternal. So, you know, he's going to get soaked in it mm-hmm. in like the most dumb way possible. That's three Robins that have dipped in the Lazarus pit. Yeah. It was his turn. (laughs) Dad says it's my turn in the Lazarus pit. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Nightwing was boring. It was written by Andrew Constant, drawn by Nicholas Scott. I mean, it was fine. It was depressing. It was wordy. It was a little silly. Batman, Fox Batman, the new Batman. Uh, shows up to chat up Dick. Most of the time is spent in the villain lair where they're just like, haha, we will never lose. That was where I really realized that they did look like Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> it was, they look so silly. Anyways, Dick wants to fight them all at once. God. He totally lures them to his hovel so he can fight them all off. So it was a really bad time for Batman to show up and be like, wow, I really want to learn from you, Dick. He's like, well, get ready to die. What? <laughs> That's where I was on Nightwing 1. Probably to, I don't know, 3 out of 10. It was so boring. Batman Superman is gorgeous. Really? It's drawn by our guy, Ben Oliver, who oh. I usually only see do covers. Wait, he does, he does interior? It's so beautiful. You've got to see this art. Batman Superman is exactly what you want. Batman and Superman are chilling out, like okay. bros do. Clark and Bruce? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So Batman's driving his, like, his stealth jet. I feel like nobody told Gene Luen Yang, the writer, that Batman's supposed to be poor. He's, he's riding in his stealth uh, Batwing, and he's trying to avoid the censors of the magistrate. And Superman's just like, hi, bros! <laughs> <laughs> and Superman's like, what? Get in here! <laughs> and he's like, what? What's wrong? He's like, this is a stealth uh, vehicle? They can't see me, but they can see your bright red cape. Well, I like my cape. And so it's that kind of dialogue. Where you're just like, oh, man, this is cute. So oh, yes. <laughs> the reason Superman finds Batman is because he found a child who tried to kill himself. Uh-huh. And he saves the kid. He's like, you've got so much to live for. And he goes... Well, I had this embarrassing thing happen at school. This, like, little device can turn your face into an animal face. So basically, a lot of kids have this, but it has long-standing effects. So every time he gets nervous, horns pop out of his head. And he's just like, what kind of future do I have? This is high school. My life could not Mm. be worse. So he's like, I'm going to take you to a doctor. (laughs) And they're going to work on this because the serum juice that sticks into your neck, he's like, this is dangerous. I need to find out who's distributing this to kids. He comes across clans of furry children. (laughs) Oh, no. He's trying to save the furries in this episode. (laughs) And he comes across, like, the the creator calls himself Mr. Toad, which is hilarious to me. So basically Batman and Superman team up. 
they can't turn their faces off when they get scared, right? So, of course, they're going to get attacked by the magistrate because they're like, no masks! Oh, that's right. Yeah, so about now that. they're in danger, mortal peril. Also, they were, like, attacking a drone, so they were kind of asking for it, mm. but... I mean, I'm not saying that they should have. I'm just saying, like, they were literally asking the right. magistrate to come down on them. So Superman is like, oh, no, you don't. If you're going to shoot these children, you're going to shoot me. Ping, ping. And then <laughs> and then he, like, takes them all away. And he's like, children, this is dangerous. Where did you get this stuff? And they're like, oh, we don't have to tell you anything. And then Batman walks in. They're like, oh, I thought he was dead. Oh, my gosh, it's Batman. Oh, my gosh. Don't kill us, Batman. He's like, he's not going to hurt you. He's like, not if you tell us what we want to know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So <laughs> this is what I need. This is what we need. So then they go to Professor Frog or Mr. Toad, whatever, and they're like, "Hey, Frogman, your daughter's looking for you. Could you like help us help you because this is actually dangerous stuff and and your daughter is now a mutant running around with a rat face." And he's like, "Oh no, I'll come with you." And he comes close and he goes, "Psych!" and he stabs him with a lightsaber. Uh <laughs> Well, a kryptonite sword. Oh. oh. Yeah. So, uh... What the fuck, Mr. Toad? Mr. Toad, why? Where's Batman? <laughs> Anyways, that's how it ends. And oh my gosh. I can't wait to see the next one. I actually really enjoyed this. I'm so ready to read this one. This sounded amazing. Right? I liked it. I liked it a lot. So, out of all the future state, there were two and a half good ones... That half being the Yara Floor, like, standalone comic? I guess so. Or would you count that as a good read? Yeah, okay, so I would definitely recommend. If you want to get the best of the best of Future State, definitely check out Catwoman, Mm -hmm. Superman, Batman. I really do think you should check out Wonder Woman. Okay. It's interesting. It's a quick read. It's fun. You'll like it. It's Joel Jones. Her comics usually yeah. go pretty quickly. Yeah. And if you want to really, like, just revel in the trash, definitely get The Flash and <laughs> Superboy this... Wonder Woman and, of course, Superman... Sorry, Superman Wonder Woman and, of course, Superman of Metropolis. Of Metropolis. God. <laughs> wow. I did a lot of work. You did. I am proud of you for doing that much, and I am sorry that you did that much. Yeah. I don't think X of Swords was, or actually it's Ten of Swords apparently, is meh, but good lord, Future State is just filled with a bunch of steaming pile of garbage, and then there's just like a shiny little ray hiding in the middle. Just Yeah. There's Catwoman. You wouldn't have found it if I hadn't told you about Batman Superman. This is true. I would have never picked it up. So <laughs> I will say th- thank you for that. I got at least two future state titles I need to own. Yes. Those sound great. You're welcome, DC. <laughs> for all the roasting, I've actually done you a huge favor. But aside from all that, thank you guys so much for explaining all these. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Before we close this out, V, would you mind telling us the comics that are actually coming out this coming week of February 10th? Well, sure. It's not all Future State. We've got uh, Black Label American Vampire 1976. And also this anthology is coming out. (laughs) You know what month it is. It's the love month. (laughs) So we're going to do DC Love is a Battlefield. 80-page giant number one. 
All right, so it's got writers Kevin Scott, Andrew Wheeler, Regine Sawyer, Crystal Frazier, and you got artists like Regine Sawyer and Crystal Frazier. Watches Batman and Catwoman, Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, and all the rest of your OTPs fight in vain against the all-powerful forces of romance and supervillains. Even Amanda Waller fights the urge to bail on her mystery date. <laughs> oh. We guarantee that this Valentine's Day, someone's taking a shot to the heart from Cupid's bow. Is <laughs> uh, so this just confirming that people at DC can't write? No. Nope. After the disaster that? that was uh, Crimes of Passion last year, <laughs> I, I learned my lesson. You're not going to get this one? I'm not getting this one. Ah, he can be taught. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yes, I should probably say what other future state is coming out. Yes, so we have Dark Detective number three, Green Lantern number two, Justice League number two, Kara Zor-El Superwoman number two, Robin Eternal number two, <laughs> Superman Wonder Woman number two, Teen Titans number two, The Green Lantern season two, <laughs> number 11. That's the Grant Morrison not, run, which right. I'm really shocked is coming out while all this future state is happening. Right, because this is not Future State. No, this is his regular run. It could have been one of those ones that was delayed because of COVID, so I guess they're just trying to get it out and get it lined mm-hmm. back up with the end of Future State. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's to appeal to everyone boycotting Future State. <laughs> <laughs> They've got two more black labels, too. They've got the Sweet Tooth, uh, Sweet Tooth The Return, number four, which is getting a lot of press right now, mm. and uh, Rorschach, number five. What was that? <sighs> Rorschach number five <laughs> by the worst human to ever come into contact <laughs> with comics. Don't read it. <laughs> Treat it like the majority of the future state titles. Just walk away. I know you like Rorschach. You will cry if you read it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Rorschach, I think, is an incel right now. <laughs> it's just not worth it, guys. Never read anything from Tom Keene. That is my <laughs> new motto, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you, Fee. And Muse, can you please tell us the upcoming Marvel titles? Yep. We have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 59, Daredevil, number 27, Eternals, number 2, Excalibur, number 18, Fantastic Four, 29, of course, King in Black, Black Panther, number 2, and King in Black, Thunderbolts, number 2. Uh, we get number one, which is going to be um, Morbius, uh, Bond of Blood, which mm. is going to be written by Ralph Macchio and Tom Riley. I'm guessing that's the artist. But yep. Yep. Uh, Power Pack number three, Star Wars Darth Vader number 10, Sword number three, Taskmaster number three, Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood number three, and X-Force number tw- uh, 17. I will actually recommend Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood. I picked up the first two issues yesterday at the comic shop, and I just blew through those today. There are not as many stories as, like, the Batman Black and White. There's only three stories per issue, but they're pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Like, I actually appreciate Wolverine a little bit more. I'm slowly getting into these Marvel titles. It's actually pretty shocking. <laughs> I also just picked up um, Jed McKay's latest Avengers Mech Strike number one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one that came out. So it was so fun. So this, like, 
is like a little kid's dream, okay? It is Avengers Transformers fighting giant robots, like giant robot monsters. So you think of it as like Transformers, think of it as Power Rangers. Either way, they're fighting like these giant monster things in mech suits that look exactly like them. And it's written by Jed McKay, and it has like that same exact like type of like upbeat tempo as Black Cat, oh, with nice. the comedy and everything, especially from Spider Man. Oh wow! It is so good. Nice. There's only one issue so far. Just came out. Yep. But yeah, I recommend that. Recommend Wolverine: Black, White, and Blood. I'm also excited for that number one Black Panther King and Black tie-in because mm. I'm really hooked on that King and Black event. I just also read Peter David's uh, Symbiote Spider-Man tie-ins for that as well. Was it good? It was good. Yeah, Peter David has definitely a great voice for Peter Parker. Nice. Good. All right. So, well, yeah. I know a lot of the ones I mentioned for Marvel, a handful of them that weren't listed as King and Black are tie-ins. Like, um, yeah. Excalibur, mm-hmm. um, Daredevil. Daredevil, Sword. The yeah. rest, I'm not certain. Me either. But... Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Court of Valid's podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. And we will see you next week for not just our Valentine's Day episode, but episode 50 of this podcast. Which is crazy. Which is also, once again, going to be hosted by V. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Take care, guys. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.